welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hi, I'm Rich Irani, and welcome to Rich in Life on location from Miami Beach. Today, I want to talk about traveling during COVID, end of the year, talk about what to expect for the new year, what I hope for, and what the reality will probably be. They're probably going to be both very different, but I can try. We can all just hope. That's, that's all we can do is hope for the best, which is what I'm going to try to do. And uh, what made us go away, which we usually do every year around this time, intercession, the kids have off from school, and we usually go to the same place. As you guys know, I'm very ritualistic. Not only do I wear the same thing, I eat the same thing. We kind of go to the same places. There's no surprises. I like it. We know where to go. The recipe is there. We know which restaurants and where to go and what to do. And that's the part I like. This year, though, we were very apprehensive about traveling because of coronavirus and what it was going to be like. We didn't know what to expect. And we asked a couple of people who were actually back and forth from Miami, and they said that, you know, it's very open there. You know, obviously, it's a red state here. They have Ron DeSantis as the governor, and the restaurants are open. Things are open. People are careful. People are wearing masks. Some are not. Some are. But in general, it seems pretty responsible. Everybody's doing what they need to do. But in any case, I wanted to get more information to decide what to do. Then I found out that the school that our kids go to, we're gonna quarantine two weeks after winter vacation anyway. So we had close to two weeks of a winter vacation between Christmas and New Year's. And then right after that, they were gonna homeschool Zoom for another two weeks. So, I mean, the thought of that and staying in New York City with no restaurants open made me want to open the oven, climb in and take a nap. So when I actually had that kind of feeling is when I really decided that we were going to go and take the chance. And we knew it's a, it's a risky thing, but we knew that that's what we wanted to do. We were going to take the chance and, and go to Miami. My biggest issue for me was getting on a plane. That's what made me more nervous than actually being in Miami. Because getting on a plane with a whole bunch of people you're going to sit with for four hours you know, or maybe even more, who knows, you don't know, you know, where they've been or if they're, you know, sick or it's just being so close to somebody in the plane with the circulating air. That's the part that made me very nervous. But I'm going to tell you this. I was wrong. The plane really was not the worst part of it because they're so safe on the plane. Everything was completely sanitized, and we sat down and sanitized everything around us. We kept our masks on the entire time unless we had to eat or drink for a few minutes. And there was a little bit of distance between the passengers, which was great. So even though I was very nervous about it, when I was on the plane traveling, it didn't seem so bad. Here is where it got crazy is when we got to Miami and we came down to the pool and it was almost as if there was no pandemic going on here in Miami. People were all over the place. People were on their lounges. They were in the pool. 
I mean, granted, we were all outside, so I wasn't really concerned. But the problem is you have a couple of drinks and, you know, once you have a couple of drinks in you, you become more open, you feel safer, you, you know, you get closer to people. And this is where my concern actually came in because I did go out one night. I, I actually went out with uh, my sister, her husband. We went to a place, uh, an indoor restaurant that was great. And I saw a bunch of friends who I love. And of course, I couldn't help but, you know, hug them. I didn't see them in forever. And I looked at Brad and I said, this is it. The ship has sailed. If we're going to get sick, this is going to be why we got sick. This is going to be the reason. In any case, we still, we had a great night. Uh, it was at the Faina Hotel. I forgot the name of it. It was like a living room. There was music. It was really beautiful. The whole mask situation to me is what is so interesting. This is what I find to be interesting. People will walk around with masks on the beach, but yet, in a restaurant, people are not wearing masks. So I guess it depends really where you're going and who you're seeing. We went to um, Villa Azor, which was actually a very nice place, very close to the hotel. And I liked it because there was a huge outdoor part and the inside was very big and it was beautiful and it was in and out. In any case, at some point I had to go to the bathroom. I walked in and when I, when I first got into the restaurant, it wasn't crowded. So it was wonderful. We went, we sat outside. And it was great. At some point when I did go to the bathroom, it was so crowded. There were people everywhere, mainly young kids without masks on socializing. So, I mean, I'm not paranoid about coronavirus. I don't get paranoid about getting COVID. I don't freak out, but I did get a little bit nervous. I put on my mask. I went to the bathroom and when we left, I left out of the back entrance. We left from the back because it was very crowded to go through the front. So, you know, that does make me crazy and on the other side of the coin, being in New York City and hearing people talk about, you know, wear masks or people will die, that in itself drives, drives me crazy too. You know, for people to rely on the world to wear masks in order for their grandparents or parents or sick people that they know to be alive, that's unreasonable. That's almost asking for the entire world to stop eating meat because you know people are vegans and they're killing animals. It's just, it doesn't seem realistic. If you're that vulnerable, then you need to be careful. You need to stay home, you need to quarantine and not go out or wear a hazmat suit. You can't expect the entire world to have to wear a mask or people will die. People here in Miami, some wear masks, some don't. I'm careful when I'm outside, I don't wear a mask. If I'm inside and it's crowded, I wear a mask. I wear a mask where it's mandatory. I like the freedom here. And not only do I like the freedom here, the people that I've spoken to, the bartenders, because I can't help being from New York and being so restricted and so shut down. I mean, we live in the heart of the Upper East Side where restaurants are suffering and the, the waiters and servers are standing outside freezing with no customers there to, to help. So any chance I get, I love talking to all the people here. And um, it's funny because all the people that I do talk to, servers, bartenders, uh, busboys, they're thrilled to be working. They're thrilled to be open. They're thrilled to be working. And I tell them what's going on in New York City and they shake their head. And ironically, they know we have a terrible mayor and a terrible governor. That's all I'm going to say about politics. I don't like to talk about politics. But in any case, they love it. They love that aspect of being in Florida. They have the freedom to work and make their own choices and be responsible. They're adults. 
I do have to say this though. I mean, the fear of getting the coronavirus is a little up there for me. And the fear is not only so much of me getting sick, but it's even worse if Brad gets sick because I don't want to take care of him. I kind of don't really want to take care of anybody. I mean, I'll do anything that I have to do. I just don't want to do. I don't want to do a lot of things. Again, I'll do what I have to. I just don't want to do it. And, you know, Brad's more of the um, patient one. I mean, we've traveled here. We have a babysitter that we trust and know that we've been using for the last two years. Before that, we used to actually travel with the nurse who became the nanny. And then she finally even jumped ship and said, guys, you don't need me. So when she jumped ship, that you know got me very scared, but we manage it. But if it wasn't for Brad, I don't know what I would do because he's patient. He never gets tired of the kids. See, I get tired of the kids. There comes a certain point of the day where I actually tell them, the day has got to end. It's over. The day's over. There's no more playing. If you want to recite Mandarin to me, I don't care. If you want to speak in thousand different languages and do backflips, not interested. Tell me tomorrow. Tell me tomorrow. The day's over. Brad, on the other hand, is amazing. He enjoys every minute, every waking moment. In fact, even when it's time to sleep, and I'm waiting for him to eat dinner because my stomach is growling and my body is eating itself because I didn't eat and I ran seven miles. I go up the stairs to peek to find out what's going on and I still hear him playing slap and tickle with the kids. He's still horsing around with them and that kind of drives me crazy, but I will say he enjoys every, every minute of it. I mean, God bless him, he's such a great guy, I have to say, in spite of all the crazy things and you know, jokes I make about him, I really do speaking enjoy. Oh, speaking of which, look who brought me my drink. Thank you. I hope you crushed a Xanax in it. In any case, I don't need a Xanax. It's actually lovely here. Um, I will say one of the, one of the uh, frustrating things about being here in Miami is getting a reservation. Getting a reservation during the holiday season was so aggravating. I mean, even when you finally would get a reservation, you know, you'd, you'd have all these, you know, things that you'd have, these hoops. You'd have to jump through hoops to get these reservations, and then you'd get them. You'd have to go early, and certain places were very careful. They wouldn't let you, the rooftop places, you had to wait online to get into the elevator. They only let a certain amount of people in the elevator at a time, which actually I thought was very responsible. See, that's the way they should open up. They should open up everything, but do it responsibly. Let people make their own decisions on if they want to take the risk of getting sick, as we did. We don't want to get sick, but if we do, it was a bad decision. I mean, if I get sick and I wind up in the hospital, it was a terrible decision. If I get sick and die, then that was probably the worst decision we ever made. But, you know, in any case, it's still our decision. So in any case, so I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, they're only allowing a certain amount of people in the elevator, you know, certain families. So it takes a little while to get there, but it's wonderful. But the worst part is, you know, getting to a place and before you could even speak, like we went to a couple of places when we didn't have a reservation, we were with the kids and we figured we'd just walk in, you know, we, we like to go to a couple of nice places here. And they'd say, do you have a reservation? And the, the concierge here t would tell us, tell them that, you know, Brad, that there was a cancellation and that we're here to fill that cancellation. So I would say, well, actually we don't, but I'm sorry, we are fully committed. I didn't even finish my sentence. Before you could finish your sentence, it's like they're drunk on power. They have this clipboard and the minute you say, you know, anything other than I have a reservation, yes, they say we are fully committed. 
and I don't know why I'm speaking in an accent, but I don't think anyone here is American. I mean, they might be American, but they're not from here. Everybody seems to have an accent. But the worst part, I would say probably the worst part about the crowds during this time is the lounges at the hotel. And I will say for the most part, everybody is really civil. Everyone is really lovely and very civil. You know, me and Brad uh, go by the rule that if we know we're not going to come down to the pool till about one o'clock, one thirty, we don't run downstairs at seven or eight in the morning and throw stuff on a lounge and leave it empty for four hours. You know, our mentality is let somebody else come use it. They'll rotate. And even if they don't, whatever. I mean, I'd be embarrassed to walk down and sit on a lounge that's been empty for three hours and not letting anyone else use it. So, you know, that's not our thing. But we did have um, this, uh, the manager of the pool who knows us very well, we come often, his name is JP, cool cat. cool cat. I say cool cat because if you met him and saw him, he's a cool cat. He's only 21 years old, but this kid is on it and he hustles. And what I love about him and everybody at this hotel is they treat everyone as if they're exactly equal across the board. Everyone kind of gets treated with the same respect which is amazing. They don't see anything. They don't see money. They don't see jewelry. They don't see, you know, I'm sure people tip them and I'm sure some people might get special treatment, but they're really respectful to everyone. In any case, he sets up our lounges all the time. And he says, you know, come early, which we do. If we don't come early, I tell him it's fine. We're not coming early. And he gives away our lounge. One particular day, he gave away our lounge. We came down and I said, no problem. If anything opens up, let me know. This was about one o'clock. So me and Brad are by the pool with the kids. The kids, of course, see their friends. They jump in the pool. They're swimming. Remember, there's no coronavirus here. No COVID in Miami. Me and Brad are, of course, getting our drinks, and we're sitting at the edge of the pool. And I see where the lounges that we normally sit. So far, every day, this was the only day we didn't sit because we came down later. These lounges happen to have been completely empty. There were three lounges. They didn't even look like they were uh, like anyone sat in them. However, there was a white half-filled plastic bag on one side on a table, and on the other side of the table there was a ice bucket of melted ice with nothing in it. No drinks, no alcohol, nothing. Just empty. But the seats were, the towels were perfect. In any case, I looked back and I kept looking back, and it was empty. About 45 minutes later passes, and JP, the cool cat, comes over to me and says, "Rich." You know, I think I'm going to set you up. I don't know where they are. And I promise I'm not lying. I said, are you sure I don't want you to get in trouble? He says, no, no, no. I mean, you know, I could have held it for you if I was going to hold it this long. They haven't been here. It's been 45 minutes. And he actually went looking for them and trying to find out where they were to find out if they were going to come back to the lounges. Somebody told JP that they were on the beach. He went down to the beach. He couldn't find them. He sets us up. We sit down. Everything is fine. About, I would say, uh, maybe an hour, a full hour, maybe hour and a half later, a guy, a young guy comes up, young, decent guy, you know, nice guy comes up and he's like, he looks annoyed. He's like, is, is there a bag here? Was there a bag here? I said, yeah, there was a white bag that was on this table, not on the lounges, but on the table. He's like, well, do you know where it went? I said, I have no idea. I, I looked under the lounge for him. I said, why don't you ask the manager, JP, maybe he took it. I'm sure he put it away for you or something. He goes and he leaves and that's it. So now I'm dealing with this guy looking for this bag that was on the lounge. Little do I know that there's another bag I have to deal with. His wife comes marching up 
Now imagine, you have to picture this. She looks, uh, she has this blonde hair, very bleached blonde hair, uh, very long. She has on, you know, a lot of jewelry, looks very fancy, but she comes up so angrily, kind of like she reminded me of the housewives of Long Island type of a a woman. She was young, attractive, but she marches over and she starts yelling at us that how could we sit on the lounge? That's their lounge that they gave him $50 for the lounge. I mean, she actually said we gave him $50. We tip him every single day. It's come out to way more than $50, but I mean, who even says that? It was so tacky. And it's funny because talking about putting your best foot forward, which is what I always talk about on my podcast, I, and I try to live by the rule of putting my best foot forward. I don't always succeed, but I try to live by that rule, putting your best foot forward. She starts yelling and telling me how she gave him money and that her son had a foot uh, brace in there that she needed. I said, I am so sorry. I said, I, I don't know anything about it. I saw a bag and that's it. You should ask the manager. And she starts telling me that it was her lounge and that how dare us sit in it and she gave him $50 and all this goes on. And I don't wanna tell her cause I don't wanna fuel the fire and tell her that it was actually our lounge. Those were our lounges that he was holding for us. And he gave them to her because he thought she wanted to sit. He didn't know she just wanted to put a bag on the table and then go to the beach for two, three hours. I didn't wanna tell her that because I didn't wanna fuel the fire. And I would never mention to her that, you know, we tip him too every single day. It has nothing to do, it has nothing to do. In any case, I actually told her, you know, I'm sorry, do you want the lounges? I was actually gonna tell Brad, let's just get up. The kids are in the pool anyway. I'll sit at the edge of the pool. I said, do you want the lounges? I don't want you to be so aggravated. And also I didn't want JP to be in trouble. I didn't want him to get in trouble. In any case, she said she didn't want the lounges. Of course, she didn't want the lounges. I knew she didn't want the lounges because she was on the beach all day, but she was screaming about the white bag. Five minutes later, she walks to the um, manager's hut where they are. He hands her the white bag and I think, phew, okay, everything is okay. The screaming continues. I see her hand motions. I even hear her from where I'm sitting, still screaming how he gave away the lounges, how dare him give away the lounges. They were her lounges. Her husband looked like he was rolling his eyes. He seemed like he was a little bit embarrassed from her, which I don't blame him. I would be too. And she walks now past me and the lounges and she starts in again with me. She's holding the bag and she starts to tell me how not nice it is. And then I finally told her very nicely. I said, you know, I didn't want to tell you before, but I told your husband that these have been our lounges every day. Not that we own them, but he was holding them for us. He just happened to have given them to you, given them to you because he thought you guys wanted to sit. So when you weren't here for an hour, they said you were on the beach. He gave them to me. I didn't take, I'd never sit in anybody else's seats. And I offered to give you back your lounges if you want them. In any case, she just kind of, you know, snickered and walked away. And the only thing I can think of is this. I don't know her. I'm sure she might've been under a little stress. Maybe her son hurt his ankle. I don't know. There's no excuse for this. I don't know her. She could be a very decent human being, but the only thing I will ever know about her is that she is the woman that yelled and screamed by the pool in front of all these people, really for no reason. Really, it was for no reason. It was just unfair to, on a holiday weekend, to put a bag on the side of a lounge, three lounges, when the place is packed, go down to the beach, disappear for hours, and then come back and expect nobody to be there. I mean, I could have done the same thing. 
I could have told him, hold my chairs. We'll be down at one o'clock. He could have held them for four hours straight. I didn't do that. In any case, it goes back to my same old saying, put your best foot forward. And um, she did not, let's just say, because when she left, the people around us happened to have come over to me to, to make comments about her. In fact, everybody was commenting about her. Not only um, the manager, the JP, but the manager of the hotel had to come out and kind of break it up. And even he couldn't get over the way she was acting. So yeah, it wasn't attractive, not cool. In any case, I finally looked at Brad. I said, thank God that's over. And then I turn around and this guy's hovering above me goes, excuse me, you're in my lounges. I said, what? And then he goes, just kidding, man. I saw the whole thing. He said, you are a prince. He said, I handled it very well, which was very nice to hear because I actually did tell her in the end, I really don't want her to be aggravated. She's on vacation. It's not worth it. But she wasn't hearing anything I was saying. So, you know, whatever. So anyway, that's the result of traveling during COVID. So we don't know really what's going to happen. We don't know how we're going to be when we get back. The plan is this. Well, I, I didn't mention that we did extend our trip. Since we knew that the kids were going to Zoom anyway for two weeks because they had a quarantine, we decided to stay an extra four days and Zoom from here. So we're not sure now if once we get home, if we get a COVID test, if the kids are going to be allowed to just quarantine for 10 days and go back to school at the normal time or if they're gonna make them quarantine the full two weeks, even though they get tested. So, you know, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, once we get back, they'll get tested maybe once or twice and, you know, they'll let them go back to school at the same, at the same time. Either way, you know, we'll do what we have to do. So welcome to 2021, everybody. What do we want for 2021? What do I want for 2021? That's more important. What do I want? I don't know what I want for 2021. I do know that, you know, some of my New Year's resolutions, they never seem to pan out, or at least not for the last couple of years. So you know, I'm going to tell you what I would like to happen and what probably will happen. And, you know, first of all, one of my New Year's resolutions is always I want to watch more TV. I just want to watch more TV. I find that I never get to watch enough TV. I'm always tired. The kids have a wonderful, wonderful knack. And this is what's great about my kids. And I don't mind bragging about this, but because it's really true. My kids have a wonderful, wonderful knack. They're so talented in knowing how to leave us for dead by the time they go to sleep. Our kids have a knack for sucking the life out of us, all the energy before they go to sleep, that they literally leave me for dead. No matter what I want to do, no matter what I want to watch, by the time the night is over and their little heads are on the pillows, I'm left for dead. So yes, they have a great knack for that. Don't mind bragging about that. So I never get to watch enough TV and what I want to watch. But in any case, I just finished um, a few things that were great. Um, I forgot what they were. Brad, what, what did we just finish watching that I loved? I mean, The Crown, of course, we finished was great. We watched also The Great. It's with Elle Fanning that's old, but it was also a really good period piece. And we watched the one with Nicole Kidman, The Undoing or The Untouching or whatever. I don't know. If you've ever, if you, just to get off topic here, you should watch The Others. If you guys have never seen the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman, you have to see the movie The Others. It's probably one of the best thrillers and don't get it confused with what was the other movie she did where she played the author, Brad, I forgot, not the others, the, anyway, Nicole, The Hours, don't confuse it with The Hours, which was also great, but The Others was great, you've got to see The, the Hours, 
not the hours, the others, if you didn't see that yet. So yes, watching more TV. I need to drink. I have to make sure I get my six ounces of whiskey daily. That's what I want to make sure that I do. I don't want to forget to do that. And I'd like to go to sleep later than 9.30. That's one of my things. I'd like to complain less. I'd like to live in the moment. I'd like to stop worrying. Stop worrying about things that I can't help at the moment, like the kids falling behind in school or falling behind in learning or being on the low percentile of height. I don't know why, but that bothers me. So, you know, I don't, what else do I worry about? I worry about China getting away with this pandemic that they unleashed on the world and the lives that they've destroyed and the businesses. I worry about that, even though it's not my problem. I worry about the world bouncing back, bouncing back to business as the way it was, retail the way it was. I want the world to come back from the retail slump and the shopping slump. I want to laugh more. And you know what I want to do more important than more importantly than anything is I want to find the humor in things. I want to find the humor in things I would normally be annoyed at. And I'm going to tell you, I learned this from a very wise woman. When my mom was sick with Alzheimer's, as I've spoken about before, I was so stricken with grief for so long. It was so terrible that I actually went to an Alzheimer's support group. And I remember in this Alzheimer's support group, it was a little frustrating for me because there were women probably 20 years older than my mother that were there because of their mother. And they were in this support group because to get over the grieving of their 98-year-old mother having Alzheimer's. Not that it's not sad, but I just had to blurt out, you know, nobody lives forever. Nobody lives forever. I mean, if she's getting Alzheimer's at what, in her late 90s, she's got still a good another five, six, seven years. Who knows? I mean, so if she lives to 100 and something, that's great. My mom had this disease at a very early age. In this support group, when I spoke up one day, which I normally didn't speak, but this particular um, day I spoke up, we were in a you know, very small room, definitely not a COVID-friendly room. And there were a lot of people there. And ironically, everybody there seemed like they were older than my mom. And they were there for somebody that they um, were related to. I was complaining how now when I try to talk to my mom, I try to tell her how much I love her and how much she did for me. That was kind of the thing that I always wanted to make sure I did, which I did do, especially when my mom was first diagnosed. I would tell her immediately when she was first diagnosed. I never told her. Our family never told her she had Alzheimer's. But I did start to tell her how much she did for us and what a great mother she was. And she did think that it was corny and she was uncomfortable with that because we were not that kind of a family. But I had to break through the uncomfortable part of it. Anyway, getting back to the, to the point was that when I would talk to my mom and tell her how much I loved her and what she did for us and how she set us up in business and I would just talk to her. She would look at me and smirk and just go, she literally shushed me. My mom would shush me. And I knew it's because she had no idea what I was saying. So I was complaining about this at the support group and everyone busted out laughing. They all busted out laughing. And they said, you got to find the humor. They said, yeah, of course it's sad that, you know, she's not understanding. She doesn't know what you're saying, but you have to find the humor because if you don't, everything is right there 
for you to be miserable about. Every aspect of the decline, the disease. So find the humor in it. And I will say that these words that I heard maybe eight or nine years ago from this woman, you have to find the humor. I want to work on that. I have to find the humor of things that annoy me, like when I'm in traffic, when my kids don't want to go to bed, when they get their thousandth wind and start jumping on my bed at nine o'clock at night when it's time to sleep. Maybe I can find it cute for five minutes and just leave and not get so aggravated. I have to find the humor. So that's what I really want for my New Year's resolution. But let's see. Now let's talk about what's probably going to happen. I will probably harass my kid's doctor about why they're not growing faster than they are and why my daughter keeps getting a little bit of dryness on the corner of her mouth. It drives me crazy. It comes and goes. I'm going to also complain about why my son walks with his feet out. And I'll probably even ask the pediatrician why Brad gets on my nerves when he falls asleep before me, because he does. I like to be asleep before him because the minute I hear any kind of snoring, that's it. I feel like my anxiety starts and I'm never going to sleep. Anyway, weeks will probably fly by. I'll forget to drink my six ounces of whiskey daily. But as time goes by, I'll definitely complain less. That I think I can do. I will complain less and hopefully try to accept the things that just are. I'm going to try to find the humor or the cuteness in things that would normally aggravate me. Maybe I'll try the shift and stir method like Tina Marie taught me. I'll look at the bright side of things like if I'm sitting in traffic, maybe it's just giving me more time to listen to music. Maybe there's mayhem going on at home and the extra half an hour in traffic just to get three blocks away was meant to be. So that's the shift and stir method. That's what I'm going to try to do. Maybe the universe is protecting me. I don't know. I'd like to think that the universe is protecting me. So guys, whatever it is, whoever you are and whatever you believe in, let's all make a deal. And trust that it's just not in our hands. Whoever you believe in, whether it's Hashem, whether it's Jesus, Allah, or the universe, we're given whatever has been designed for us. And to try to accept it with dignity and grace is what my goal is. That's what my goal in life is. Not just because I think it will make me a happier person in the long run, but it will also teach my kids so dealing with things with dignity and grace is kind of where I'm at for 2021. Even if I don't like it, that's what I'm going to try to do. And I'm going to remind myself the grass is not always greener. Because even I, who preach that to everyone, have to remind myself the grass is not always greener. Yes, some people may have it easier, but many people have it worse. And one size doesn't fit all. What works for somebody else may not or probably won't work for you. So don't look at the people next to you. Keep your eyes on your own paper and put your best foot forward. The perfect example of not putting your best foot forward was what I told you earlier about the girl screaming about her lounge. Put your best foot forward. 
So go for your haircuts, guys. Go for your coloring. Wax what needs to be waxed. Pluck what needs to be plucked. Because it's time to go out and see people for 2021. Happy New Year. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you like what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life.com.